0: back to the accelerators podcast we are radiation oncologists doctors matt spraker Simil parikh and anna Lausius, and we're bringing you oncology news and views with guests from all over the field note the discussions on this show are not medical advice and they represent our own opinions and not those of our employers and now on with the show
1: Welcome to the Accelerators podcast. This is Simo Break from Lake Huron Medical Center. I'm here with uh, I'm Matt Spreaker, I'm a radiation oncologist in Denver,
0: Colorado. One of the Accelerators co-hosts,
2: and I'm Anna Louches, one of the other
3: Accelerators co-hosts,
2: a radiation oncologist in community practice in Wisconsin.
3: And this is Natalie Ridge. I'm a current PGY five at UT San Antonio, and on the job hunt. Uh, as we speak.
0: Talking about jobs. I think it's a great topic. Talk about the
1: background noise here. <laughs> <laughs> Having to uh,
3: parent. Oh, it's very cute background noise.
1: <laughs> yeah. But um, so this topic comes up because I had been saying to others and posting on Student Doctor and Twitter that I felt that the job market was appearing to be better than it had in many years. And I can say my perspective is one of someone who's mid-career, who's somewhat geographically flexible, and who has an idea of what they want and what appears to be a good job or not a great job. And so I've, you know, I've followed the Astro Job site and then the other job sites like Practice Link and just through friends and colleagues. And it just seems to me that there's just a lot more availability now than there was two years ago or three years ago. The other data points are that several of my friends who finished about a year and a half ago are changing from their first job to jobs that they feel are better. Many felt they had settled on jobs because they didn't feel like there was too many great options. And now they're able to move on to what seems to be a better fit for them. And the third data point is locums. I've been following the locums market for many years because I like the idea of making a little extra money on the side. I never do it, but it's always entertaining. But I would say the average price that I see has gone up from about 1500 1600 a day to 2000 a day. And I'm seeing over $2,000 a day now. So those are kind of the things that made me feel like, well, something looks different. Something feels different. Um... And so I got a message from Natalie, uh, with some different viewpoints or at least like different perspective on what's going on. I'll give you the floor.
3: Sure. Um, so, uh, you know, of course take everything that I say with a grain of salt. I can only share what my perceptions are and my experiences have been, uh, currently on the job hunt and what I've heard from my PGY-5 peers uh, who are in the same position and uh, from some of my younger attendings who have, uh, uh, you know, gone through the job hunt in the past couple of years. And I agree with you that something is different. Um, You know, uh, talking with one of our great attendings here, um, Neil Newman, who uh, was applying during the the, uh, 2020 COVID year, uh, he said, you know, jobs were, just job postings were scarce. Um, And it was obviously a very stressful time then. And this year, uh, you know, even he said, it looks like the job market is on fire. Um, I can say, uh, you know, certainly looking at the Astro Jobs Board, and just briefly glancing at it last year. um, But you know, not having been on it myself uh, or obviously searching for jobs um, prior to that. Uh, it, there are there are a fair number of postings. Um, I can also say that, you know, having been paying pretty close attention to the jobs board uh, for, I don't know, since the middle of last year, a lot of these ads, I swear, I don't know if they're bots posting them or what. But um, it's the same ad that pops up every 30 days, and uh, you know, I've reached, I've applied to many of them, have heard nothing back. Um, I've talked to peers who say, yeah, that ad comes up every month. Uh, I've contacted them and uh, never heard anything back. Um, you know, the the we have to keep. I think we have to keep in mind the job postings that are listed. We still have what. 200 and some grads who are vying for those spots, it's still it's very hard to get interviews, um, you know, not just me and my colleague that's uh, graduating from this program as well, but just hearing from others around the country. It's uh, it's hard to even get a, hey, we got your CV. Thank you for applying. Um, we'll be reviewing CVs soon and, and reaching out. Um a lot of times it's just uh you apply it goes into the ether, and uh you never hear anything back um so again I, I agree that you know, certainly looking at the jobs board um and comparing it to to prior years where it sounds like it was a lot more quiet, uh there might be more going on um, but i I would be hesitant to say that it's gotten any easier for for new grads?
1: Well, I was just the only thing I was going to say is the the rudeness of the people that put up the ads is not changing. Uh, we're we're continuing <laughs> to get ignored. We're continuing to get no emails back. We're continuing to get ghosted. We're continuing to have that issue that that doesn't seem to have changed when the market was pretty good when I was graduating versus now. And so I just don't want you to feel that that might be an indicator. I, I don't know what it is, if it's our specialty or if it's medical specialties, but I've never seen uh, so much like lack of respect for an application or an email.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And if there are any hiring managers or chairs out there who are listening I, I would love it if if y'all would maybe acknowledge this is a very stressful time for, especially new grads who are like looking to be gainfully employed next year. Uh, and just to get even if it's just a templated uh, you know, thanks for your CV we'll we'll be reviewing them soon. Thanks so much for uh, for reaching out. I mean it, it takes five seconds on on your end or or to say back like hey, uh, got your CV, um, uh, doesn't sound like it's going to be a great fit, but good luck in the job hunt. That means so much more. And it takes so much stress off of the, the applicant's end than being completely ghosted.
0: Yeah, it's actually, I think that's a great point. And I, you know, it's funny because I think when, um, so I graduated in 2018 and I had kind of, some kind of similar experiences uh, where people did surprising things or or just were rude and in weird ways. Um, and a lot of them always kind of result in feeling like you're, you're not even being considered as a real applicant. And I think that's really demoralizing, um, especially in an environment where there's a lot of anxiety around having a job. Um, and I think, Uh, One thing that is that I always really try to point out that sometimes gets lost in this discussion is that it's a very heterogeneous experience for for people um, across the country Uh, and and um, that's that's I think that. Causes an issue in this conversation because there's a lot of people that might be at institutions that have where it's routine that people sign very early. Um, or like an extreme example is just like, you know, an, a few academic centers have attendings that are very well connected across the country in every single state. And so, regardless of what your desires are, it's easy to get your foot in the door somewhere. Um, and, and so I think that, um, a lot of times I, I I've, You know, have this discussion with people that do care a lot about residents, but their entire experience training at a place like that and then working at a place like that um, is just that it's like not that hard to get a job. And my argument is always like, okay, well, go talk to somebody who's at a program that started two years ago, or go talk to somebody that, you know, is at a very small program that might be well known in a specific region, but otherwise is not connected around the country. And it's just a very, very different experience. And so I think what something that I wish was, uh, more common would be efforts to minimize that heterogeneity and just kind of level the playing field a little bit, because a lot of, you know, what, what you talked about is kind of, isn't being experienced by everybody. I think that's, that's part of the challenge too.
3: I would absolutely agree with that. Um, and it's interesting you bring that up, uh, because yeah, starting the the job hunt, um, my, even my, my chair said, you know, at, at, larger programs that are uh, uh other big Texas programs uh they're very well connected they have very well known alumni and uh we don't have many coming from my program um it's not a new program but you know we're small um uh, not not that well known uh i'd like to clarify though not touting my program i've gotten an excellent training here um but <laughs> we don't it's the truth we don't have um, you know, a lot of well-known, well-connected alumni uh, and our chair is a, is a great chair, a great boss, but, um, you know, he's he's not one of the, the famous people in, in Radonk who everybody knows he can pick up the phone. Um, I did have a relatively well-known, older, uh, well-connected mentor uh, reach out recently because I was told you got to have people make phone calls for you. It's been quiet and, Um, He did. He got back to me this week. And so I guess getting to a later talking point. But he said, you know, I talked to a lot of uh, a lot of my friends. He reached out to uh, about a dozen different academic uh, programs that I had applied to. Um, And he said they loved your CV, did not love the fact that you're a D.O., so
0: <laughs> yeah, we should get into that for sure because that's that's very frustrating. The only point I wanted to add before we kind of get to that point was just that like so we're we're actually interviewing now and we and we opened up a position to um new grads which was not originally planned, but it just it's funny because I um you know the current group I'm with, the person that kind of makes the final decisions is a very honest person and and you know really genuinely wants to make sure that the the person that's hired is um is uh you know supported and does well in the job um but the way that you get at your foot in the door is literally like we just said like someone calling right because every there's so many good applicants that you you know you do get overrun with applications and then the people who rise to the top are like people who like someone that he knows or that I know or that you know someone else in the group knows has made a strong argument that they're a very good candidate and then you know and that just puts you above you know so i think that that connection really does help a lot and um and then it's frustrating when you have all that work to your other point and then like you know there's some some categorical thing that makes no sense that is is making it more difficult so i'm sorry that 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 you had heard that because that's um that's really frustrating
1: so six, this year's application cycle there's about 60% of the applicants are usmds 30% are fmg's and 10% are DOs. Um, and so that's a little bit of a different profile than what we used to have. I would say five or six years ago, it was probably about 90, 80 to 90% USMDs. And then you can kind of lump everybody else together. The FMG rate has been slowly ticking up. The DO rate has been going up, but not as quickly. Um, and yeah, the, the discrimination you are talking about, I, I don't know firsthand other than I'm helping somebody apply this year that's a DO. She's an excellent candidate, but non-traditional, took nine years between college and medical school, working as a chef, uh, which is an interesting story in itself, uh, which would make her very unique, uh, I think. But she's struggling to obtain interviews for residency. Um, Somebody mentioned on Twitter that they mentioned two names, uh, Dr. Thomas Merchants and Dr. Paul Wallner, uh, as DOs. And I thought it was telling that they picked two people that are 25, 30 plus years out from their training. One of them trained at Sloan Kettering, uh, which possibly is the top program in the country, or one of them. Um, and so I, I don't know if that was a helpful or useful point to make. I, too, don't see any faculty that are. DOs, or very few, I don't know, you guys can probably name them, Um, but I I think that's some circumstantial evidence that there's discrimination occurring.
3: Yeah, and for certain, you know, I can just share from my experience applying for residency uh, back in um, the 2017-2018 match cycle, uh, which was still more in the, uh, you know, the prior era, uh, it, I had I decided kind of early on in medical school, I wanted to do radiation oncology. I was actually in a PhD program before medical school and rerouted into medical school because I rotated or uh, had shadowed with uh rat on residents. And I thought, man, this is cool. But, um, you know, when I was in medical school, I had people telling me, uh, I had radiation oncology chairs telling me, yeah, you're never going to match as a DO, um, you know, unless you ace your boards, have pub- publications, Um and so that's what I did. I worked my ass off. Uh sorry, I, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to curse on this show, but maybe You are we, definitely we, allowed we to we curse that. on this show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh when I get talking passionately about something, the uh the Philly comes out. Um but uh yeah, no, I worked my ass off. I worked my ass off to ace my boards and I had publications and I took a research year off to to get more research experience, and I still struggled to get interviews. So Man, I sympathize with um with your mentee uh Simul that is struggling now. It's uh it was hard. I mean, ultimately, even though I thought I had a really strong CV, the majority of the interviews that I got for residency were by me personally reaching out uh, to the PD and the chair and saying, "Hey, please just look at my CV. If you think that I'd be a good match." Uh, you know, consider interviewing me, and and that's how I got you know most of my interviews. Um, I thought that with how much uh, the match has changed recently, that that discrimination would have uh, eased somewhat, but um, it certainly doesn't feel like it now. Applying for jobs, um, it's, and it's, it's,
1: yeah, the call the call for diversity is really frustrating because there's only one or two types of diversity that are seeming to be interested in. And I would say like the two diversities that are being ignored is degree diversity, meaning DOs, meaning foreign graduates, meaning international graduates, and then viewpoint diversity. um, You know, you have to be extremely careful about how you speak, what causes you're supportive of um, who you support, who you like. Uh, And that, that, that's just, it's, it's unfortunate because I think there's room in fact, there's a need for viewpoint diversity and and degree diversity. And I think that that hurts our field when we systematically keep out qualified people because of some perception about their degree. We're, you're kind of muffled. We're losing you here on your... Uh... Right. Yeah, sorry. sorry, I think my hand was over see you. I just said we're, we have an opportunity to really enhance our diversity and bring important, unique voices. And we're systematically avoiding... or losing that opportunity by discriminating based on degree.
0: Yeah. I wanted to add two things. I, I can verify this has been going on a long time because um, where I trained, actually, we were a place that took uh prior DO residence and when I, not when I was there, but They had in the past, and and so when I was there a few times, people had reached out and said, "Oh, hey, you guys take do do applicants for residency? Like, you know, can we talk about that?" It actually turned out that a couple of times they took a military grad who was a do, and those those um, graduates actually come with funding, and so we that was kind of the answer back was just, you know, it's not what you think it is. It's actually they're funded people that come and they kind of get them for free. So that was that was kind of the issue there. Um, But but this is a big issue that it's interesting because it's not talked. about a lot in our field, but there are a lot of people that have discussed discrimination against DOs in medicine um, across all fields. Um, ortho is a big one that I've seen people posting about in the last couple of years. Uh, we've we've referenced his stuff often on the show, but Brian Carmody is a um, is a, a a pretty like prolific uh, Twitter person and writes a lot on a blog. And he's I know that in the past d- during this cycle, he's been writing about discrimination against DOs, the extra money they pay for exams and 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 to get into residency. And then um, this year, one that stuck out for me was the practice of people not being explicit that they're not taking a DO. And so they they spend the money to apply and then they just get a write a message back that says that they're not like eligible technically, which is very frustrating. Um, So I, you know, similar, I I totally agree with your points. And I think that even though it hasn't been a prominent issue in our field, uh, like vocal, like talk, you know, prominently talked about, I think it does happen. And this is a pretty widely widespread issue in medicine that is really bad
1: in my opinion.
3: Oh, sorry. I was just going to say just to, just to add to that. um, I don't know if, if people necessarily realize that, and I'm not sure if it's still the same way, but when I was back doing uh, even away rotations, uh, there were a fair number of programs that just outright wouldn't take, uh, DOs for, uh, away rotations. Um, and that, you know, really limits, uh, 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 potential to get your, your foot in the door. Um, uh, you know, because most DO schools don't have a home hospital and they obviously don't have a home, uh, uh, radiation oncology residency. Um, And then just to add one more thing, uh, certainly also, uh, and some of these programs I know have changed their tune because they've recently matched DOs, uh, but I was told uh, even by programs that I had, uh, there was one program I rotated at where the chief resident at the time said, you did great on the rotation, you worked really hard. Uh, Oh, by the way, we'd never rank a DO, but uh, they might offer you a courtesy interview. Um, And it's like, well, why even bought you know what why what yeah well so i mean i, I
1: you yeah, know I, I don't mean for this to become like an activism for do show um but interestingly like a comedian that i like uh had been kind of under under fire for making a, a long story a joke about um uh, about seeing a D of an old friend that when he walked into the exam room the the the, the friend was a do and you know, it's a, it's, a, it's actually a cute story, but it ends up with the do being the punchline. And um, I think the kind of the nice thing that happened was that everybody pretty much was like, dude, get over yourself. Like, this is silly. Like we, this is a 10 year, you know, 20 years behind thinking that's not, we, we don't do that. But at the same time, people, the way they act and the way they, they uh, behave belies their biases. Like I can tell you, like, We were looking for, we were looking for a pediatrician and my, I would, my, you know, my wife handles most of this stuff. And I I took a kid to see one of the docs and it was a DO, um, it was just an emergency visit. So it wasn't our pediatrician. And then my wife selected a doctor that was an MD and she saw that doctor and didn't have a good experience. And then emergently had to see the one that i had seen before the DO and she's like, oh, he's so nice. He's so good with our kids. And I was like, yeah, I already saw him. He's great. Like, why didn't we pick him? And she's like, well, I saw the DO and, you know, she's not medical. She doesn't know, you know, and she's not discriminating. She just doesn't really know or understand. But that's sort of the thing that people need to do, especially physicians. It's like when you go see a doctor and you have a choice, pick a DO just so you can kind of get over your own biases or um, views of what what that means uh, for medical practice.
0: I think she's probably picking up on like, you know, cues from from the world that people because, you know, it's funny. I mean, I, I feel the same way where like I, you know, hear people say comments or make jokes or things all the time. But then like day to day when you're working, I I don't notice or look at people's like, you know, like their whatever their degree is on their jacket or whatever. I, it's you know, I think that at the end of the day, you just want someone that's a good clinician. And certainly um, I've met people who are you know, MDs from very high pedigree institutions that are not good bedside clinicians. So like, I don't think there's like a link there. And I think it's, it's unfortunate that there's a kind of a stereotype.
3: Absolutely. Um, You know, there, there are a lot of uh, misperceptions and stereotypes about DOs that, uh, oh, we couldn't get into MD schools. Uh, Oh, it's um, you know, we're not getting the same quality of education, uh, these days, and to apply to Radonk, we all take USMLE. I took the same step exams as y'all. Um, uh, you know, I went to a DO school, and, and you know, I had a lot of friends similarly who chose to go, to go to a DO school because it seemed like the best option. I, at the time, for financial reasons, I could only apply to a very limited number of schools. I only applied to five schools. Uh, I couldn't leave Philadelphia, and I went to the one of the two schools. Uh, that wasn't gonna cost me 70 grand a year. They offered me a great scholarship package. Um, it wasn't because I couldn't get in I did get in. Uh, and <laughs> um, it doesn't say anything about uh, you know somebody's I, I don't think it says anything about somebody's intelligence or abilities or potential um, that they choose to go to a do school or that they're in a different country and are are going to a medical school there. Um, and certainly, I think it's a huge blind spot by, uh, you know, our, our field leaders that um, we're fighting for diversity and inclusion, but we're not fighting for diversity and inclusion of of opinions and perspectives.
1: So I'm going to swing back to the jobs a little bit here. Um, I think maybe one of the things, and me and you spoke about this, Natalie, is... Um, my perspective is probably uh different because i'm mid career i know that there are postings that say 3 years of experience 5 years of experience i know that when i was at my last job and i was looking for a couple new people i felt the same way that i wanted i already had some fresh grads uh in the practice and i wanted people with dif- you know ha- different levels of experience which means you know you're your pool is much smaller, right? The the mid-career pool of people trying to find jobs is way smaller than the PGY-5. So, you know, there might be 180 or 190 applicants looking for a job in a given year from a class, while the number of mid-career candidates looking for a job might be almost the same number, but they don't really need a job. And so they might not be actively looking. Um, And I've seen at locally at some of the hospitals here, i I I think Matt can speak of this. He he mentioned earlier that they change a listing to add new career um, people, I mean, uh, early career people. And so what happens sometimes is that as time passes, you realize you're not going to be able to hire someone with five years experience if you want to get them started in July or August. And so then you start backtracking and saying, okay, maybe I'll take a fresh grad, but then you even limit that and say, okay, I'll only take a fresh grad from these programs or whatever, or this type of degree. And then we get into that same problem for you guys but i might not be perceiving it because if i apply maybe i get a call back right away um and so you know there's there's different concerns i think like it there these are all valid but different concerns because i i worry much more about lateral moves and being able to go somewhere that i want to be like i'm i'm back in michigan now like if i and i needed to be here for for family reasons but if that wasn't the case and i was a pgy5 Huh. I mean, imagine like my dad being sick this summer and not being able to be close to him would be really, really hard. Um, and uh, there's so many other stories and versions of why you need to be somewhere. And the, the limitations of our field with the geographic restrictions, it do make it quite challenging.
3: Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, my, my PG by five colleague who's flying, he's, he's got, uh, geographic restrictions related to his wife who's also a physician and and he certainly um you know it's a challenging time for him going through right now too
0: yeah i think you know um what's funny it's like we you know we we talked a lot about this internally about hiring a new grad and there's a lot of positive discussion about that um and so and it's funny because the uh, part of what surprises me about this like this sort of discrimination that you were experiencing for based on your degree is that everything we talked about was actually had nothing to do with pedigree or where they came from or degree um and actually a lot very little of what we talked about had to do with training um really what it had to do with was the person's personality like you know this the job that we have open up is is pretty unique and and it's not it's you know it's it's um, it's part of a network, but it, they'd be kind of solo at the center. And so the things that we talked about, for example, were confidence, uh, willingness to be independent and, you know, have good uh, sort of face-to-face rapport with referring physicians without having like a senior person around to kind of help make those connections. Um, and so it's funny because like never, I mean, this was a discussion with five or six doctors that all come from different places and we span Experience from you know three years to ten years, and so it no never once did anyone like really bring up where people came from, except for the fact that oh I heard about this person from so and so who's my friend, right? And so that's that's where those connections sort of help. And I I just it's funny because I think when people actually do this work, there's not very many of them that are out there like actively saying well it's got to be an MD. But so I I just don't understand like the logic behind that that sort of thought. Um, plus you, as you pointed out already, it's kind of challenging to get into residency as a DO in radiation oncology for the same reasons, which we don't like, but it's like, if you're already graduate, I mean, these aren't like new, new grad med students, like joining a residency, right? These are people that have been trained. Uh, our pass rates are extraordinarily high just nationally. The, the chance that they're going to be a functional good radiation oncologist is very high. So I'm not, you know, again, I'm not sure why, why it's there, but.
3: Exactly. Yeah. And now that, um, you know, again, now that the, the rate of uh MD uh USMD applicants has dropped those same chairs of PDs who five years ago thought uh you know IMGs and DOs are are not going to be able to to get through residency, all of a sudden they're fine with it. Um I don't know why the you know the the realization hasn't set in yet that yeah especially with a, a good training um getting through residency and passing your boards uh You know, that should be more than enough to say you're going to be a good functional radiation oncologist.
1: Well, think about the people that are PDs right now. They're, they're my age, right? Like they're, they're probably somewhere between 35 and 50. They're somewhere between five and 15 years out of practice. And they had to give up their firstborn to get into this field. They, 25% of them have PhDs. Many took gap years. Many, uh, you know, sacrificed by going to a school far away from their family so they could have a better shot at getting in. Uh, And now, you know, from their perspective, they're looking at the applicants and then comparing to themselves and their peers based on older metrics. I don't know if they're right or wrong metrics, but they were the metrics used and they stood by them. Things like step one thresholds, uh, number of publications. And suddenly those same people in charge are having to change the metrics of what they used to get in. And it's sort of, uh, a mind F if you will, um, for them, because it's, it's, it's a strange position because all of a sudden you were told that you had to be the best of the best and you had to check all these boxes. And now the message has changed considerably and there's a cognitive dissonance there because it's like, okay, I know that my peers are like this and they function quite well. These people applying are not appearing to equal my colleagues. So how would they be able to succeed in this environment? And I think that that becomes problematic for hiring at the hiring level, I would say.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, I can see that. Um, you know, I I can tell you one thing, though, that I've, I've really been thinking about recently, like, if we're going to try to shift uh, as a field uh, and bring more diversity, uh, including diversity of degrees into residency programs, they're going to have to be okay with hiring these, these doctors one day, you know, we can't, we can't push through more and more IMGs and DOs every year, and then have a whole horde of unemployed, highly trained radiation oncologists uh, in the next, uh, you know, couple of years here. Um, And if, uh, you know, if down the road, we do experience a radiation oncologist uh, shortage, um, like some people are, are predicting, well, you're going to have to hire the ones that are there, uh, the ones who have been trained, the ones who uh, who um, you know have gotten through it. So I I worry that uh, that the you know for these med students who are are being sold this always you know hopeful as long as you get your foot in the door as long as you get into residency you'll be fine uh, kind of perspective. It's it's great to be hopeful, and I'm certainly still hopeful. I'm not um you know to clarify i'm not hopeless about uh you know my job hunt but um man it's it's going to be tough for them and i i think it's only fair to uh to also acknowledge that
0: one thing that you had said that was really interesting is so um cuz i was thinking about the other day i i uh i have a um my phd advisor from from a long time ago uh is like going up for this mentoring award and i, I he asked me to write a letter um, and and what what I remember specifically from him is um, at the time I started, I wasn't sure I wanted to go to med school and we had a lot of discussions about career and things like that. And he had always kind of said, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. Um, and, and I thought about that a lot when I was writing this letter, because you are... Um, You know, in the last couple of years, I've talked to trainees and students uh, that are are med students, and you know, there's a lot of people that have been told that they can't do something. Uh, And when you pointed out that you had people that were counseling you as you're going through medical school, that you know you're not going to match. You don't have you know you have to do or you have to do exceptional things to be able to match. Um, And I know that that occurs with a lot of people with the other types of um, people that aren't represented in our field, like kind of similar you talked about that you know, that there needs to be diversity in all kinds of types, but all of these people kind of have the shared experience of being told that they can't do something. And I sort of feel like that's, that's very damaging. And so I wonder if one thing we could do a little bit better with is just helping people work through, (laughs) you know, I think that there's probably cohorts of people like you that are having similar anxiety about residency match right now, Um, uh, you know, trying to get into radiation oncology. Although I think these days we've talked about it's a little easier but still it's a little anxiety provoking. And then, you know, what you're going through um, is is what a lot of people go through, uh, whether their chances are better or worse based on these different factors. There's always this anxiety kind of in the fall about whether you're going to have a job at the end of the year. Um, and something that really isn't doesn't seem to be prominent is supporting people through that. Um, it's kind of, I hear lots of Oh, it's uh, you know, it's fine. Everyone gets a job. Uh, one of my favorite ones was like, oh, just remember your first job is not your last job, which turned out to be true for me as well. But like, it's just not that doesn't like make you feel that much better when you're like trying to get one. Um, and so I sort of feel like there's not, and it, and it goes along the lines of that tw- of that tweet, right? They're like, here's two examples from a long time ago of prominent people that had D.O.s. I think that um, instead of just sort of placating or giving things that help you know, point out that, you know, it's not true for the universally what you're saying. I think we could do a much better job of just recognizing that it is an issue and then giving people the tools to kind of support tools and support to make it through that period of of anxiety. You know
3: absolutely I totally agree. I think um you know if there's one thing I, I would really like to see our leaders do more. It's to acknowledge and normalize the fear and uncertainty that we have, that uh, medical students have for trying to match, that residents have for trying to get a job, that, um, you know, we as an entire field have for the future of our field, just to acknowledge that, hey, I might be a leader and, you know, 20 or 30 years you're senior, but I don't know the answers. I don't know the future. And I recognize that for somebody not in my place and not with my privilege of position, that it's, it's a scary time right now. And I'm going to try to, as a leader, help to come up with some solutions.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. um, And something that, you know, our field can be more open about, um, you know, really sitting with the uncertainty and, and the difficulties. And I think acknowledging the heterogeneity of the experiences Matt brought up uh, earlier um, that, you know, uh, kind of a dismissive attitude of, oh, you know, it should work out just fine. Um, that actually does the opposite of reassuring. Um, you know, it's almost kind of like a false hope or, you know, maybe acknowledging the experience of some while not um yeah uh kind of recognizing that yes these fears and uncertainties are real and um by not acknowledging them it kind of makes it more difficult to bring up so yeah i think as a as a group we can um by talking through it and acknowledging that this exists we can all support each other better
0: yeah i was going to say that the <laughs> doctors are not very good at acknowledging that they don't know the answers to things <laughs> so i think it's you know not to we I know we're railing against stereotyping, but but it's uh, it is a challenge. I think for all of us to just admit that we don't know, and sometimes things are a problem, and sometimes we don't have the solution to it. So,
3: yep, absolutely. I mean, I totally agree with that. Especially, especially the bosses. They, uh, you know, they they always want to keep this perception of themselves as the ones who know all the answers and the ones who are never scared themselves. Uh, I I don't know. I. I personally I will never have all the answers. So <laughs> um yeah, doctors do not like to admit when they're wrong.
0: Um so you know, Sim, I know you talk to a lot of of grads and things like that. Do you have um any advice for people that might feel like they're having this kind of I mean, what do we do about this, right? I think, you know, Natalie, you you kind of gave that like you said, you you had uh, sort of some feedback that you weren't even being considered at several of these jobs. Um, A placating thing that's very easy to say is like, You know, when I heard when I heard about that, and I saw your tweet, I was like, "Well, you probably shouldn't work at those places anyway." To be (laughs) honest, but that's not very fair because you do need to work somewhere. And so, um, you know, similarly, you you were very helpful to me in my you know job search after my first job. And and so, do you have any like advice for? for people that might be facing stuff like this. Um, and and I should just explicitly say that uh, absolutely there are other ways to be sort of discriminated against. So I think that the goal here is to elevate this thing that happens to DO graduates uh, that maybe is not as talked about, but certainly this is a problem that faces lots of people for different reasons. Um, and, and so um, we could maybe give some general advice to people. I don't know, not to put you on the spot.
1: I apologize. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm in the car now. It might be a little bit of distortion. But um, I, I think, unfortunately, we have to rely on networking. And that's going to become the main way for a lot of people to find opportunities. You know, we, me and you, Matt, we work together to help you get <clears throat> to Centura Health. Um, and, you know, I, I've helped several colleagues. Of ours, uh, mutual friends uh, make some inroads into places. I think becoming more active uh, socially, getting to know people, and um, and having them look out for you is going to be the best way to do it. I I have uh, I I would say from my own experience when I was a PGY five, I would say my program director, who's a good friend, and the assistant program director was a good friend. Uh, had only applied to that one job and they applied it during peak gradunk, and uh, where people were needed and jobs um, were relatively easy to obtain. And so they didn't really have a sense of what it was truly like for us to go through a search to try to go for non academic jobs. So I think finding mentorships from people outside of your normal comfort zone is important. Uh, I would say there's probably, I don't know, 10 residents that, uh, that are now faculty or private practice sectors that I maintain contact with, but probably 50 have reached out to me and I, I do everything I can if they, if I know somebody in the region, they're interested in it. Uh, or if I know somebody that they, um, might be interested in working with And I think that sort of thing, reaching out to, uh, non, uh, academic faculty for some help with some of these jobs. The other thing is, unfortunately we have to, um, we have to lower our standards and what i mean by that is not take a terrible job but you have to change the uh the radius of what you're searching for yeah
0: yeah i think that i
1: mean i i I, yeah i mean when i was in my dating days on the swipe apps i had to change the radius you know if i really wanted to find (laughs) an appropriate uh mate and so you know uh uh, Cass and me would have never met had I not expanded my radius. And so I think that perfect job out there um, that you may not be uh, considering because of your because of your filters, uh, you probably have to change that and open your mind to locations and practice models that you were not going to be open with. I think those are two uh, things that I I would tell myself um, uh, because I, I also have lived in so many places now, and I think that most places are pretty good um and it's a matter of like finding your community and finding your niche um and so that that, those are my suggestions for you natalie as well
3: yes thank you so much those are those are great suggestions um especially broadening i totally agree with broadening the um the geographic search area uh personally i thought if i ever left the tri-state area the world just didn't exist (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I grew up in Philadelphia. I had never left Philadelphia until intern year, even for intern year was New New York City, which is, you know, just a stone's throw away. And then coming to San Antonio, I thought it was going to be all cowboys and Republicans and, uh, and cactuses. And it is nothing like that. And I've learned, uh, (laughs) learned that, uh, you know, Philadelphia is, is not, uh, or the East coast and, um, is not the, the whole world. And, uh, you know, personally speaking, I'm looking everywhere now, uh, places I never thought I'd go. Um,
1: hey, now, like, speaking, speaking, I feel like, can you, can you explain like the use of the word John?
3: Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so you can use John to, uh, refer to, uh, any, anything really, um, depending on the context, like, uh, uh, hey, can you pass me that John over there? Or, uh, uh, hey, uh, you know, that, that, uh, John that I'm thinking of. So you can kind of insert it into, uh, any, any kind of sentence like that. Um, it, it's a, it's a very, it's a multi-use word. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I feel like cowboys and cactuses should be the title of this episode.
1: Yeah, cowboys
0: and cactuses. <laughs> no, I think that you know. It's what's funny is is you. That's such a great point, and it's probably better advice for people that are like applying to residency because, again, it's like you, you know. <laughs> it's sort of unfair at the end of the fi- of the four year training to expect people to just be like oh well you now just live anywhere. So I always do tell medical students that if like location is the top 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 priority and they're tied to a specific city, especially if it's like a tiny city that has one radiation oncology center, uh maybe don't don't consider radiation oncology as a field if it's your top priority. But but um that's you know similar advice is really good in that sense because I know a lot of people that have been um, very surprised and happy with living in a place that they never thought that they would live. Uh, certainly, I never thought that I would live in St. Louis, and you know, ultimately, we we did desire to like find a different city. But um, you know, my wife and I have been in many different cities together, and certainly, we don't consider it to be like a bad time. Like we, you know, we enjoyed living there, and and so people are often pleasantly surprised. But the other advice to speak to reach out to people. I think is huge because not only does it help with the connection thing we talked about, but one of the most rewarding things this year, as I've been giving advice to people graduating and signing contracts is just um, what might matter to make a good job and and how to negotiate for that if, if possible. Um, it seems like this year there is some ability to negotiate a bit. And and. I it's so much enjoy giving that advice to people because it was something that I just did not get as I was coming out of residency. Uh, the things that I thought were important turned out not to be for me. They certainly could be for other people, but I feel like sharing that perspective, at least for a couple of graduates that have signed, has been helpful for them because it just gives it just gives you know a wider experience and perspective of of you know how to be happy as you go on out of, out of these phases. So
1: oh, I wanted to add one more thing. Um and this, this probably feels risky for PGY-5s, but I would suggest holding off until January to March around that time. I know everybody wants to sign before January. For some reason, I had friends that wanted to sign before October, but I, I, I can't promise it, but the amount of jobs that open up in January to June is probably the same amount of jobs that open up in the other six months And so there's way less candidates, so the the competition decreases. You may not be able to start your job on July 1st, and if you you know if you're not of means, this might be challenging. There are ways to get around this through like stipends and programs that the hospital can offer you. Uh, But I always tell people wait. Like if if you feel like you're settling, wait. You're going to be employed eventually. Like. I don't know anybody that didn't ever get a job finishing that wanted to that pass their boards and are, you know, um, not like, uh, outright racists or anything like that, <laughs> killing people out there. So I think, uh, be patient because I, I remember when I accepted my job and I loved my first job and I, I love that practice. So nothing negative to say, but I literally, a week after signing that contract, I got a, Upper, um, partnership offer from Ciro which is a prominent group in North Carolina and then a bunch of jobs that I was interested in earlier had con- contacted me in the, in the uh, first half of the year after I had already signed.
0: It is true it is true it's always tough to to have the you know the guts to like kind of wait out what you really want but that definitely is true.
3: And actually you know what that's um that's awesome to hear that's that's uh kind of reassuring to hear that it's not only is it uh y- you know i'm obviously I keep hearing have hope something will come um things pop up all the time but also that it's okay it's okay to wait like to actively you know wait and hold off um and things will still work out
1: yeah actually natalie you're uh he's a year ahead of you, but one of your San antonio residents uh Neil, he waited till the very end and he got to go to a city that he is very happy with moving to. Um, And I think like it's I I, at the beginning, when I I kind of talked to him throughout his search as well. And I was just like, man, this guy is just waiting till the last minute. But each offer that he received, it just wasn't meeting his needs. And the city may have not have been ideal for him. And I don't think he signed until May, April or May of uh, right before graduation. So uh, the, the. these people put themselves in a good position because they're not competing with the same pool anymore.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that is probably worth saying that I think at least was not common knowledge to me at the time that I was applying for jobs for the first time out of residency is that the job search process internally for people that are hiring is just a mess. Like it's not people have this vision that like it's it's all this super organized, well planned thing that like, you know, they know who they're gonna hire two years down the road and all this kind of stuff. That is not how things work in real life at all. Um, academic centers specifically uh often don't know, and there's usually flexibility there and they move very slowly. Um, and then um, my experience so far with community practices has been that things can just turn out a dime and then all of a sudden something is is open um, or new jobs get created or agreements change and there now needs to be new hiring, people can leave abruptly. And so that just, it really plays into that idea that like someone that might hire you listener specifically in March may not even know they're hiring today. And so, and that, that like totally happens all the time. I had this like, this, this weird view that like things were very organized in the world and that's just not how, how things work, I think in real life. Anyone else have any any comments? We have two minutes, and then I have to I have to go to clinic. <laughs>
1: that, was great. that was a great episode, guys. Uh, thanks for joining, and um, hope to see you soon, and good luck with jobs. And those looking and willing to wait towards the end of the year, I might have something for you. You know how to reach me. So yeah, Natalie.
0: Good luck. And if we can be of any help, definitely let us know. And same thing to listeners out there. I know it's scary to reach out to people you don't know personally, but there's so many nice people in this field. So just reach out, ask for help and we will try our best to get people connected.
3: Um, I just wanted to say, thank you so much for, for having me. This was, uh, this is very enjoyable. And if any uh, academic hiring committees are out there listening, uh, and you're you're looking and you haven't gotten my cv yet uh email me it's uh na ridge 522 at gmail.com i'm a catch
0: thanks for coming on i really appreciate it i know it's it's tough to sometimes talk about this stuff so i really appreciate you being a guest and uh and best of luck to you and we'll we'll go forward
2: yeah great discussion bye everyone bye